Well, good morning, and good to be back with you all uh, after a couple of weeks away. Happy New Year uh, to many of you. Uh, it's that great moment when you get to say, man, I haven't seen you since last year. It was a couple weeks ago. Um, anyways, it, it's good to be back with all of you today. I, I missed you over the past couple of weeks, uh, but it truly was a gift to have a couple of weeks away from emails and text messages and planning and, and writing and, and all of those many things to just kind of enjoy some time in, in the holidays. Uh, Caitlin and I spent most of the time uh, with her family uh, nearby. And we hung out, we played games, we watched movies, you know, the things that, that families do together. And it was, it was a good and, and relaxing time. Uh, one of the movies that we watched while we were together, is one from several years ago called Bridge of Spies. Have any of you seen this movie? It's uh, starring Tom Hanks. It's set during the Cold War era, and it tells the, the true story of a Soviet spy and an American lawyer and kind of their unlikely connection. And it's a really great movie. Uh, but I have to say, one of the scenes from the movie that, that really has stuck with me and kind of haunted me since we watched it is this depiction of the Berlin Wall being built, being, being put up, this wall that was hastily built right through the middle of the city. And no one was allowed to cross it. And this wall cut people off from their families, People were cut off from their jobs, from friends, uh, possibly even from their places of worship. I mean, just imagine drawing some sort of line through the middle of King County, you know, or Pierce County, and not being able to cross it. Who might you end up cut off from? How would your life be changed, upended, disrupted, right? You know, I, I imagine how someone caught on one side or the other may have felt cut off from their friends and their family, isolated, alone. And maybe that's why this scene has stuck with me so much. I mean, in a lot of ways, this past year, the pandemic has been a sort of wall that's cut many of us off from one another and left us alone. So we feel isolated from each other. And many of us have found plenty of opportunities this past year to cry out to God and say, where are you? Where are you in the midst of all of this? And this has been humanity's problem from the very beginning. I mean, with the new year, I started a new Bible reading plan, and so that means this past week, I read the stories of Adam and Eve and the stories of Cain and Abel, starting right from the beginning. And right from the start, as I'm reading these stories, it's so clear that humanity was made to be connected with God and to be connected to one another. Humanity was made for this connection, for relationship. But 
Adam and Eve sin against God. And then Cain turns against Abel and kills his brother. And so we see humanity turning away from God, turning against one another. You see, these stories are not just some ancient people from a long time ago. They're not just religious fairy tales. These stories are about us, aren't they? They're stories about the ache of isolation. They're stories about that deep desire for connection that we feel cut off from. And this is the reason why Jesus came. This is the reason why Jesus has come to dwell with us. I mean, last month, we spent a whole month focusing on that longing for, that anticipation of the arrival of Jesus. And this is what we celebrated in the holiday of Christmas. Jesus' arrival. Right? Jesus has come. But what did he do when he arrived? What did he do when he was here? Well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 is where we are headed today. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at several different stories from Jesus' life here in the Gospel of Mark. And along the way, we'll begin identifying some themes that emerge about what Jesus came to do and how he went about it. You see, barriers had been built between us and God. And people had been torn apart from one another. And Jesus came to confront those barriers and to create a new community. So let's read together in Mark chapter 1. Jesus gets right to business. Mark chapter 1 will begin in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, 
who were there in the boat mending their nets. Immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. O oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word and for coming in Christ to dwell with us. God, I pray that as we reflect on the words of your scripture today, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this passage that we have just read has two main scenes. Both of them are located next to bodies of water, right? And both are about restoring connection in the midst of an isolated world. In the first one, uh, by the Jordan River, Jesus restores connection with God. And in the second one, by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus restores connection with each other. God and people. This is why Jesus came. God and people, right? And it's a mission that only Jesus, who is both God and human, could fulfill. It's a mission that only Jesus could accomplish, and it's one that he continues to accomplish among us, the church, as we are rooted in God and committed to loving our neighbors as ourselves, God and people. And so let's take a closer look at each of these scenes that we have just read about. In the first scene, beginning in verse 9, Jesus comes from Nazareth of Galilee to be baptized by John in the Jordan River. And Mark is notoriously succinct in his descriptions and in his storytelling, right? Unlike Matthew, he doesn't record the conversation that happened between Jesus and John the Baptist. Uh, he just describes the event and moves on. And he does this all the time. Mark is the shortest of the, the four Gospels uh, because he's just so succinct, so quick. But he's very intentional with his words and incredibly vivid as he describes things. Look at verse 10. Just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. I love that image of the heavens torn apart, right? It's this picture of a barrier that we've been longing to get through, finally being removed. I mean, I, I, I want to remind you, think back several weeks ago, we were reading in Isaiah 64. Do you remember the people's prayer? Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Right? This is what the people prayed. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. This prayer is answered in Jesus' arrival. It's answered right here. 
The heavens are torn open and the Spirit descends into the world. Jesus' arrival alters the reality of this world. And this morning, I want to proclaim to all of you that this is still true. In Christ, the heavens are open. God is accessible. This is still true. This very same voice that sounded out on that day sounds out still. You are my beloved child. You are my beloved children. This is still true today. No matter how many other voices may try to tell us otherwise, that God is not real, that spirituality is just some kind of sham, heaven is open and God is available to you. This is true. And I know that this is something that we long for. This is something that we all long for. Last year, the Wall Street Journal reported that in March, just as the pandemic was beginning to, to take notice and, and, and get spread in March, Google searches about prayer skyrocketed. People were lonely, they were isolated, and so they were Googling about prayer, right? People turned to Google instead of God, but they're trying, right? It's revealing this deep spiritual longing in people's hearts. And listen, Google is a really helpful resource, but there is no Google search that's going to magically make God available to you. In Christ, God is available to you already. Heaven is open. And this is fundamentally true about the world. This is the way that things are. But what isn't true are a lot of the religious myths that we believe about life with God. Many of us believe that following God should be really easy, that life should be really great because we are following him. And even if we don't verbally say this, on some level, many of us believe that following God should lead to some kind of health and wealth and happiness. And so whenever poverty and sickness and grief and failure comes our way, on some level, let's just be honest, we wonder, why are you holding out on me? Where are you, God? Well, what's going on here? Right? When these things come our way, we begin to ask the question, where are you? Because on some level... We have been told that if there is a God, we're not going to have trouble with finances or sickness or, or sadness or any of that. And, and that is a downright lie. It's just not true. I love the way that Mark tells this story. I mean, look, Jesus is baptized, right? The heavens are torn open. The Spirit descends and God speaks these fundamental words of love, right? And you cannot get better than this. 
And then the rest of Jesus' life is really easy, right? It's just great. Easy peasy, health and wealth. No, right? It's not weeks or years later, uh, after maybe this spiritual high has worn off. It is immediately after he comes up out of the water that Jesus finds himself in the wilderness without food, tempted by Satan. Right? This is heaven open reality. This is God with us reality. Jesus shows us that all of those myths about health and wealth are just that myths. They're not true. He shows us the answer to that question where is God amidst hunger and heartache, sickness and sadness? God's right here. He's right here with us in the wilderness. This is where God is. An open heavens doesn't mean that we don't face challenges. It means that we don't face those challenges alone. God is with us. The heavens have been torn open. The Spirit has descended. God's love has been revealed. This is true about the world. But that's not all. That's not all. Life with God is not just some kind of solitary spiritual experience. After tearing open the fabric of heaven, the very next thing we see is Jesus beginning to weave together the fabric of community. In the second scene that we read, in verse 16, by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus begins calling people, not only to life with God, but also to life together. To life in community. And it's not just a generic people that he's calling, not just groups and, and crowds. There are names. Right? There's Simon and Andrew. There's James and John. Zebedee's boys, right? Jesus begins calling specific people into a specific community with each other. And this is essential. This is absolutely essential. There is no such thing as following Jesus by yourself. Community is an essential part of following Jesus. Faith is not just about knowing God or knowing the Bible. It is also about being known. And that's only something that can happen in community. It's only something that can happen with each other, with one another. And this has been especially difficult over the past year, hasn't it? I mean, the, the pandemic 
like that Berlin Wall has cut communities in half. It's made it difficult to be together, difficult to stay connected. And as things have shifted to online, well, spiritual community, church, in many ways has become like trying to pick out something to watch on Netflix. And that's, that's pretty hard, right? There are times I spend more time trying to choose what to watch on Netflix than I spend actually watching the movie on Netflix, right? You know, all of YouTube is at your disposal. You know, oh, this one has really great music. That one has a really great teacher. This one's doing this really interesting series right now. That one has really great production quality. Maybe I'll watch that. On and on it goes. There's so much to choose from, to scroll through, to click. Right? Church has become a show to watch instead of a people to belong to, a people to be known by. We're all looking for that right sermon or, or that right song to finally help us feel better. But listen, no sermon or song can cure your isolation. Only community can do that. Only being with and being known by others can draw you out of that depth of isolation. I, I want to share something that, that I've been reflecting on over the past year. It's, it's become sort of a mantra for me. Uh, early on in the pandemic, probably late March or early April, there, there was a, a mentor who pulled together several ministers just to kind of check in and say, hey, how are you guys doing in the midst of all this? And, and to share some words of wisdom. And so we were all grappling with, with how to respond. What do we do? How do we be the church in quarantine? You know, and, and, and all of these limitations that, that we were facing. And here's what he told us. He said, connection is more important than content right now. Connection is more important than content right now. Don't worry so much about putting together a high-quality professional production. Instead, look for ways to connect with your people. And look for ways to help your people connect with each other. Connection over content. This is what he shared with us. And, and I think that's a really good ministry philosophy, but I think it's also a really good way of life. I think that we all need that right now. It's so true. We are all overwhelmed by so much content. There's all the stuff on TV, on the news, on social media, on Netflix. But we are starved for real genuine connection. You don't need another song or sermon. We don't need another article or episode. We need connection. We need each other. Connection over content. I think this is so true. Now, it's not that content doesn't matter. 
right? Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. There's content to this. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't leave it there. He goes on after proclaiming this message to call Simon and Andrew, James and John, right? He calls them into community, and then he sends them to connect with others. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Following Jesus is bound up in pursuing others. This is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Content is important, right? And I, I spend hours preparing sermons, reading lots of books. I love content, really. But connection is more important. So much more important. This is why, in addition to, to getting up here and, and preaching a sermon each week, I always get up and talk about the life of the church. And every week, I remind you of the women's group, the men's group, and the Wednesday groups that meet throughout the week. Because these are opportunities for connection. For, for those of you who are watching online right now, this is why if you scroll down, there's a little chat box right there. You can type in your name and actually connect with other people who are watching right now. Right? It's not just about content. It's about connection. Consuming content is not enough. We must connect with community. More content will not ease your anxiety. It will not end your isolation. But deeper connection can. This is the way of Jesus. This is what Jesus calls us into. He came to open the heavens to us and to open our hearts to one another. Jesus came to open the heavens to us and to open our hearts to one another. He came to tear apart the veil of heaven and weave together a new community. God and people. These are the basics. God and people. So I, I want to ask you, this question, what kinds of obstacles get in the way of God and people? What kinds of obstacles get in the way for you? What keeps you from connecting with God? Maybe it's some of those religious myths that we talked about keep you from believing that God's even worth connecting with. And if that's the case, I just want to encourage you to look long and hard at Jesus. Those myths simply aren't true. And Jesus is so worth pursuing. So worth connecting with. 
Maybe you're not really sure how to pray or, or where to read in the Bible, or when you do read it, you don't know what it means. I just got to say, as a minister, these are my favorite questions. How do I pray? What do I read? What does it mean? Right? If that's you, I'd love to hear from you. Again, to, to those watching on our website, if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's a place where you can send a message to me. I'd love to hear from you if this is where you are. I'd love for any of you to help pray with you, to, to help you engage with Scripture in some way. I'd love to find ways to encourage you as you seek to connect with God. What, what other obstacles are there? What is it that, that keeps you from connecting with community? You know, maybe the pandemic is just taking its toll on you, and so you feel disconnected and, and isolated. Maybe this season has turned church into Netflix for you. It's sort of a show to watch from home instead of a people to engage with. And, and if that's you, I, I want to gently invite you back into connection, right? And, and that can be in person, that can be online. I mean, the, the men's group is meeting online right now. The Wednesday group is meeting online. There, there are all these ways that, that we're trying to remove obstacles and, and make it possible to connect even in the midst of, of this reality that we're living in. You know, maybe one of, one of those is a place that, that you can jump in, one of these small groups that's meeting. Each of these groups, you know, has content for a discussion, but, but there's, there's opportunities for connection, to pray for each other. Or, or, you know, maybe you're interested in deeper connection, but just on a really practical level, the, the groups that, that I've been mentioning just don't work, you know? If, if there were opportunities to connect at a different time or, or a different day or, or something like that, then, then you'd be all in. And if, if that's you, by all means, let me know, right? If there's a handful of people who want to connect but, but aren't able to, I want to know about that. I want to try to help make this happen, right? This is what the church should be, a people who, who seek to connect with God and with each other. And so what are the obstacles that are keeping you from connecting with God, from connecting with people? Whatever they are, this week I want to challenge you to try to clear them out of the way. This week, try to take some sort of step toward connecting with God and connecting with others. Set aside a specific time to pray. Put a reminder on your phone, maybe. Set, schedule an appointment with God. Take a moment to send a text to someone. Make a phone call. Join one of the groups that we have. Jesus has torn open the heavens. And he is calling us into community. And so may we be drawn to God and drawn to one another, and may we run after him. Amen.